0: Welcome back, Seekers of Strength, to another invigorating episode of Gathering Strength, your go-to podcast for inspiration and resilience. I'm your host, Ruby Rube. Before we dive into today's incredible race recap, make sure to hit that subscribe button, leave me a glowing five-star rating, and drop a comment. Your feedback means the world over here at the Gathering Strength. Now hey, picture this. The California International Marathon, 26.2 miles of determination, grit, and beauty. A challenging yet exhilarating journey where personal records are shattered. Now this course, it has a reputation as being the fastest course in the marathon world. With a negative net gain, hey, they say that it's downhill. But I'll (laughs) I'll tell you otherwise, there was a bunch of hills in that thing. But it's all good. I ain't scared of no little hill. When it comes to elevation, I say bring it on. Today's episode, we're going to unpack my unforgettable experience where, hey, I clocked in at a remarkable three hours, 31 minutes, and 52 seconds. A little PR for myself, no big deal. In a world where everything is relative, when someone finds out that I ran a marathon in 3 hours and 31 minutes and 52 seconds, they could be like, hey man, what took you so long? Did you have a cramp? Did you, I don't know, did your feet fall off? And then other people, they would be like, man, how are you so fast? Teach me your ways. But I am neither here nor there. I'm just a regular guy getting after it, trying my best, having fun, enjoying the journey, and talking about some of the gems that I glean by embarking out on this journey. Now, I would encourage anybody to go out and run a marathon. You don't need to be the fastest. You don't need to be super in shape. You don't need to be super nimble or an athlete. Man, you simply just need to be willing to manifest the the best version of yourself. And trust me, there are so many people out there. When you see them running, you're like, Oh, wow, I would have never thought that you would be a person to run a marathon. There's people of all ages, shapes, sizes, athletic abilities, or lack thereof. I even saw a blind person running a marathon with a guide. It's like, man, all of these little obstacles that we make into mountains. Man, anyone can do it. And that's the beauty about it. Now, I'm going to ask you how much determination would you need? Where would that inspiration need to come from? What type of grit would you need to get so that you can devise a strategy that takes you all the way across to that marathon finish line. I know one thing is for certain is that anybody who does embark on that marathon journey, there's no regrets. You don't come off worse. You come out stronger. You come out more disciplined. You come out more confident. And you can't get that any other way other than Embarking out on a journey of the unknown and solving the problems as you are presented with them, facing it head on. Now I'm going to take you through some of my pre-race preparations, the adrenaline-filled race day, and a mile-by-mile breakdown. You'll get a first-hand look into the highs and the lows of the marathon journey. What were some of the key lessons that I learned? How did my support system contribute to this extraordinary accomplishment? But before we dive into the details, a quick reminder to check out my Amazon affiliate link in my bio or in the show notes. Because, man, the marathon, it is more than muscle. (laughs) I'll tell you that much. And all of the books that I have read that are in my Amazon storefront, man, that helps fuel my determination, my grit, because, man, yeah, your mindset is going to have to be finely tuned when, man, you're faced with wanting to give up, wanting to quit, questioning when you're at mile 20, like, what am I doing out here? I still have six more miles. OMG! (laughs) Yeah, so go into my Amazon storefront, check out some of the books that I've read, and not only will they enrich in your life, I'm sure it's going to enrich in the lives of those around you when you start to man, hip yourself to the game. So, if you're ready to lace up your running shoes and dive into this inspiring race recap, I'm going to say, hey, on your mark, get set, go. Alrighty, and we're off the California International Marathon. CIM 26.2 takes place, or it took place, December 3rd, 2023, Sacramento, California, starting by the Folsom Dam, and it takes you 26.2 miles all the way. The finish line is ending right in front of the beautiful California State Capitol. The weather was great. I don't know what temperature it was, but (laughs) it wasn't hot. It wasn't cold. It was perfect marathon running weather. I don't know, maybe 58 to 62 degrees. Uh, It was overcast with some sun breaking through uh, on different segments. You know, you, you just really couldn't have asked for better weather. The race was on a Sunday, like all marathons are. And you know what? Man, I wish that they were on a Saturday, because after the marathon, you know, Sunday, comes Monday, and then it's back to work. Now i got to go to work with all these sore legs and these sore muscles. If I had that one extra day of recovery, that would be awesome. But that's not under my control. What is under my control is that, hey, I can get there a day early. Me and my family, we drove up on a Saturday to the Race Expo, which was at, I don't know, I think uh, the Sacramento Convention Center, which was in downtown Sacramento. And man, it was a beautiful convention center. And right when we walk in, you know, the place was like brightly lit. Everything was clean. And they had that one song, uh, Chariots of Fire. Dun, 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 dun. It was very regal sounding. It, it made you feel like you were a champion. It's like, man, I haven't even gotten my my race bib and I feel like I won. Now, if you have been to one race day expo, I don't know, you kind of have been to them all. It's just a place for people to sell you stuff, you know? And I I don't need anything. I do like looking at all of the race day swag. And then I'll, you know, briefly consider buying something like a a, a cool jacket. I'll check the price tag. It's like a hundred and sixty dollars for a jacket. I'm like, nope, I'm good. I already have. I have everything. I'm just here for my bib and and some of the freebies. We spent about twenty five minutes there soaking in the sights, the sounds, looking at the people and, you know, checking out the booths. One of my favorite booths was Nick Bears. He wasn't there. Uh, unfortunately, because, man, I, I would have loved to have met that guy. If you're not familiar with Nick Baer, I would encourage you to go on to Google. He's worth the Google. He has an in- awesome Instagram social media profile. He's big on YouTube, and he just chronicles all of his runs, his workouts, his bodybuilding. He owns a successful supplement company. And overall, seems like a really nice guy. It was pretty cool to see his booth there. And, you know, I was able to and pick up on a little bit of energy knowing that man I'm going to be running the same race as a, a as a super cool guy. <laughs> so that was pretty awesome. We left there and then took a short drive down to old historic Sacramento. That's where we went last time when I did the Ironman down there and it's a cool little spot. There's a, there's a lot of tourism there. It's very family friendly. And it is awesome to learn about the history. I'm always blown away by time marching on. And that place was constructed, I don't know, in like the 1800s and seeing the old timey photos of what it looked like back then. And then fast forwarded all the way to today. It's like, man, it, you know, that, that just trips me out, which really hones in my perspective of, you know, like, hey, this is my time or the people that I am blessed with in my life. Another little trippy aspect of, you know, the people who are in our lives, you know, when you think about it, of all the people of all the time that you could have been born, you are born right now with these people and I don't believe that that is an accident. I think that there is fate, a destiny and the people who are in your life are ordained Be in your life, and so you know, it's just trippy to think about that perspective. And going back into old historic towns really just brings that thought to the forefront of my mind. We had lunch there, we walk around into a couple little goof shops, or you know, what I don't know what you call them little candy shops or toy shops, uh, you know, some a novelty type store. And then after that, hey, the sun starts to set a little bit earlier and it's back to the hotel. I still have to prep my race day gear. So we do just that. We take a quick ride to the hotel, hunker down, and I start to prep my, my stuff. We were all in bed. Or at least I was in bed by, I don't know, 8.30, 9 o'clock while the family was still watching TV. And then... I, was, I woke up, I think, 4 o'clock in the morning. I had my Uber set to pick me up and drop me off at, at a shuttle location by 5.10. But you know what? You can't have a, a day or a moment like this without forgetting something, right? So, what did I forget? Hey, one of the most essential pieces of the puzzle. I forgot my damn breakfast, which, uh, you know, athletes, marathon runners... People in this world, we are a little bit superstitious. And one of the key pieces of advice when it comes to running a marathon is hey, nothing new on race day because you don't want to eat something and then it not sit well in your stomach. And then all of a sudden, now you're dealing with bubble guts for the entire time. So I was like, damn, I forgot my breakfast, which uh, that consists of old fashioned, steel cut oats with some honey raisins, some almond slices, and cinnamon, and I let that sit overnight, and I chow that down and let it sit in my stomach for, I don't know, 45 minutes before I embark out on a run, but I forgot that at the house, so now before we got to the hotel, I had to go to Target and get some oatmeal, uh, some of the instant oatmeal, but hey, man, check this out. I messed up again. Now, me and my son, we were shopping around in Target and I go to the oatmeal section and there is this brand that I'm familiar with at least when it comes to their pancakes it's the Kodiak brand so I'm like, oh hey, you know, these these people, they make uh, oatmeal I'm going to grab a couple of these, chow them down and then problem solved, right? Wrong. Turns out that I got some damn, like, I don't know, pancake mix I don't know what it was, but I couldn't even eat that uh, so you know, once again, just trying to figure this stuff out. Luckily, I did bring a bagel that I was gonna eat when I was at the starting line, like thirty minutes prior before the the race was gonna run. So I wasn't able to eat my oatmeal. I did eat the bagel, a banana, some pistachios, a yogurt. What else did I eat? I don't know. Oh, some some blueberries. So I was able to get some stuff into my stomach as a breakfast, but it wasn't my my regular, my thing that I know works. So that was the first little hiccup. I was disappointed for, I don't know, 30 seconds. But then I was like, you know what? All right, I'm over it. I'll be all right. And I'll just continue to push through and, and uh, persevere. Onward! Remember, it's always onward. Now... There I am. I'm in the Uber. Hey, smooth sailing so far, right? I wake up, I was able to get some sleep, do my stretches. Uh, I was able to have the, the impromptu breakfast. Got in the Uber. Uh, short 10-minute ride from the hotel to the starting line. I mean, the, the places where they have the shuttles, because I don't know, for whatever reason... They don't allow people to get dropped off at the starting line. So there's a bunch of of shuttles and I walk directly and sit on a bus. And then, hey, guess who's sitting next to me? There was a woman with no arms. Well, she had arms, but it looked like she had a birth defect where I don't know. They just stopped developing down by like the the elbows. So I was like, oh, all right. Well, you know, whatever. And then before the bus takes off, like a race official comes on to the bus and mind you, it's dark. And um, the, the race volunteer, she's like, hey, is there anybody on this bus with a disability? And then she looks around, anyone on the bus with a disability? And the person with no arms Hey, she didn't get up. She didn't say, "Oh, hey, I have a disability." Me, here I am. Now she just sat quietly, and she, that, and that was it. I was like, "All right, hey, that's awesome that she doesn't look at herself with with a person who has a disability, and she was fully capable." So I was like, "Oh, you know, that's awesome, badass." And then so we take the quick little five-minute ride. From the shuttle to the race starting line. And we get out and we're walking. And the race doesn't start until 7 o'clock. And we got to the starting line. I don't know, maybe 5.45, 5.30. And we had to walk from the bus to the starting line. And I struck up a conversation with the the lady with no arms. And she looked to be about, I don't know, maybe in her... From 28 to 34. Healthy woman. Uh, bright-eyed, spoke well, and so we were just talking about how, you know, uh, I was like, hey, this weather's great right now because I thought it was going to be super cold. It wasn't cold, and so we were just commenting on the weather, right, A- as we're walking, and then we start talking about, you know, where are you from, the marathon, is this your first one, is this your blah, 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 and then we started talking about paces. I was like, hey, you know, what What time do you, do you plan on finishing today? And she was like, hey, hopefully I can finish in 3 hours and 25 minutes. I was like, hey, no kidding. Wow, you're super fast. That's the time that I hope to be finishing around. And then as we parted ways, I was like, all right, hey, we'll probably be running with the same pace and in the same group. I look forward to seeing you out there. Good luck, essentially. Now, time goes on and it's pretty much at that point just to hurry up and wait And as we're hurry up and waiting, you know, people start coming, more people start coming, and then next thing you know, hey, enough time goes by, and we're starting to fill the corrals, and there's just thousands of people, and the vibe, the energy, the atmosphere, the weather, the hoopla, the grandeur, the... Did I say energy? The energy was palpable. It was... It was, for lack of a better word, it was awesome just to be there and to feel what was being transmitted by every single individual. Oh, hey, check this out. Funny story. So the people who run a marathon, you know, they are typically, you know, in shape. They're fit, even though there are people of all body types, all ages. There are some hardcore people, right? And they're they're fit. They have on their short shorts. Their legs are jacked. Their muscles are rippled. And they just look hardcore, right? And they will be wearing some race day swag. They'll have like a shirt that says, hey... A Tokyo Marathon. Berlin Marathon. Boston Marathon. Just marathons. Race day swag. Ironman stuff. And it's like, hey, you know, there's some people who are about that life here. And then there was this one guy. <laughs> he had on a, a, a an awesome shirt. Probably the best shirt. Now, this guy, he was a, a pudgier man. More heavy, heavy set. He had on a... A shirt that cracked me up like I said he was a pudgier man he had a he had a beard that looks like it wasn't trimmed in a while he had you know bedhead and he had on you know some short shorts but what made me laugh was his shirt <laughs> amongst all of these elite people all of these strong men and women who were there just as I mentioned jacked in shape hardcore warming up this guy just looked like he, you know, rolled out of bed and his shirt of all things just had me cracking up. It said bubble run. <laughs> and then there was like a, a bubble with the face on it and like two arms coming out and the legs looked like, looked like the, the bubble was running. And I was like, Oh dude, that's the most badass shirt here. And I like that. That man was wearing that shirt. He was, you know, representing his bubble run. And I was like, oh, dude, that's badass. I wish I had a bubble run shirt. Now let's fast forward. Now let's fast forward to the beginning of the race. We're all packed in the corrals like sardines. Beautiful time. The energy once again is being permeated through every single individual to where it is now electrifying. The countdown begins from 10 all the way to 1. Bang! Bang! Boom, the elite start off. Oh, hey, and then another thing that was extraordinary about this race was that that race was the last opportunity for individuals to qualify for the Olympic Trials. So there was people from all over the, all over the country and also all over the world who were trying out for the Olympic Trials. So there, needless to say, there was some fast people there. And because this is a quote-unquote fast course with a negative net gain, there's a lot of people who are trying to PR there. So, on the majority of a lot of people's minds is, hey, I'm going to smoke it today. I'm going to go fast today. And you know what? I was one of those people. I Not only did I bring my fast shoes, I brought my fast underwear. I was determined to set myself a little PR Now, here we are, the overall, how did your boy Ruby Rube do? Let's see, on December 3rd, I started my watch at 7.14, I ran 26.2 miles in 3 hours, 31 minutes, 52 seconds, which equates to an average pace of 8 minutes, 3 seconds per mile with an average heart rate of 158 beats per minute i in a ballpark burnt approximately 2629 calories now for myself that is a pr a personal record and that is a pace that you know i'm i'm happy with of course you know i probably could have worked harder probably could have trained better Probably could have did all of these things that would have equated to a faster time. But I didn't. So, you know, I'm happy with with what I got. Now, as I started off this podcast, everything is relative. The person who took first place with two hours and 15 minutes, he would be pissed to have my time. But hey, the person who took five hours, the person who took six hours, they would have loved to have my time. And this reminds me of a stand-up comedy bit by Chris Rock. Now, Chris Rock, he has a a stand-up comedy bit where he talks about... He says something along the lines of, he's like, you know what? I'm rich. I have a lot of money. But if Bill Gates were to wake up and check his bank account and see Chris Rock's money in his bank, he'd be like, what happened? Where'd all my money go? Oh no, I'm poor. Right? Now there's levels to everything. And this is where a little Einstein's theory of relativity, which explores a relationship between space, time, and gravity, is going to offer some insight through which we're able to view the dynamics of running a marathon. Now in the context of a race, time becomes a subjective experience influenced by factors such as effort, determination, and individual circumstances. Now consider a person who claims first place, the winner, the victor, a runner channeling immense energy, grit, and determination You know, they and they reach the first line swiftly before anybody. Now, in this scenario, time seems to contract for the person, the leader. They ran 26.2 miles faster than everybody else, much like the dilation of time near a massive gravitational force. The intense focus and efficient use of energy that creates a subjective experience where, hey, the passage of time feels shortened. And for them, it is. They put in so much more energy and therefore they have a much faster time. Now, in contrast with a 77-year-old woman or an 80-year-old man who's out there. They're equally determined to conquer the marathon. Now, that person's journey is a testament to the theory's time dilation in a different sense. Every step reflects a gravitational pull against the clock, emphasizing a prolonged effort. A prolonged effort in resilience and determination. Time for that person seems to stretch highlighting the endurance required to navigate the distance. Time for that person is going to go by so much more slower. But they're still putting in the same amount of energy, determination, and grit. One person just put it in in a shorter burst and got to the finish line faster. Now, in essence... Einstein's theory allows us to appreciate that the time experienced during a marathon is not uniform for every participant. The interplay of energy, grit, and determination creates a subjective landscape where each runner's journey is uniquely shaped by the individual efforts and the gravitational pull of their personal challenges. Whether sprinting to victory or steadily conquering the miles, the marathon becomes a living expression of the relativity of time and effort. Now, in the realm of Einstein's theory of relativity, the gravitational pull represents the obstacles and the difficulties that a runner faces during a marathon. These challenges vary greatly from person to person and can be metaphorically compared to the gravitational forces impacting time in theory. For instance, a runner dealing with an injury might experience a stronger gravitational pull that slows down their pace, making the passage of time feel more stretched and arduous. The individual efforts of each runner contribute to their unique experience of time during the marathon. The amount of energy, grit, and determination they invest shapes their temporal perception. A runner pushing through pain and mental barriers may experience time dilation where moments seem to elongate as they navigate the difficulties of the course. Now, my time dilation, that was happening all throughout the freaking course. Now, personal challenges, similar to gravitational forces, can create bends and twists in the runner's journey. Someone overcoming a significant life obstacle may feel the weight of that challenge throughout the entire freaking race. And that's going to alter their perception of time and their effort in this interplay between personal struggles and the individual's resolve that defines the marathon experience as a uniquely relative journey for each participant. Now, my mindset was, hey, you know what? I'm going to start strong and I'm going to finish strong. And I was willing to let let the things get a little bit uh, crazy out there. Now, let's see. My average pace... 8 minutes, 3 seconds per mile. Uh, my best pace was 6 minutes, 39 seconds per mile. My average speed was 7.5 miles per hour. My max speed was 9 miles per hour. Uh, my average heart rate was 158 beats per minute. My maximum heart rate was 174 beats per minute. Uh, the total ascent was 614 feet. Total descent was 981 and sheesh, well, you want to get into the laps? Let's see, mile one, seven minutes thirty-one seconds per mile. Mile two, seven minutes forty-four. Uh, I'm in the seven-minute miles all the way until mile seven, and that's when I had to stop to take to take a piss. <laughs> I, I also had to stop to fill up my my water bottle, so that added on a full minute. Um, mile seven was eight minutes and forty seconds. And then I'm back into the 7 minutes for mile 8, 9, 10, 11. And then mile 12, 8 minutes. Mile 13, 8 minutes. Mile 14, 8.35. Uh-oh, what's happening? So, you know Let's see. About mile, yeah, about mile uh, 14, that's when that time dilation starts to really kick in. Because, hey, man, that's when, you know, the marathon is starting to begin And, you know, leading up to that, it's pretty much just smooth sailing mile one through 14. It's just like easy money, a bunch of seven minute miles. And, you know, there's an old saying that the marathon doesn't begin until, you know, mile 14, 15, 16 for, for some people. But I was able to start feeling some fatigue by, yeah, by mile 14 and mile 15. Let's see, mile 15 was 8 minutes, 7 seconds. Mile 16, 8 minutes, 9 seconds. So, I, hey, my miles, they were pretty consistent. Mile 18, 7 minutes, 48 seconds per mile. You know, hey, hold on. Let me go back up. I'm actually kicking some ass right there. Mile 19, 8 minutes. Mile 20, um, I had to stop. You know what? I have to drink. I have to get my electrolytes in. Some people... They only drink from those little-ass cups, but I find that whenever I do try to drink from those cups, nothing comes, nothing makes my mouth. It goes all down my nose, all around my mouth, and maybe one drop in my mouth, and the rest is just all down my neck. Mile 21, 8 minutes, 27 seconds per mile, and then mile 22. You know what? Hey, from mile 21 to mile 22, there's like a, a slight hill, but you know... Mile 22 is 8 minutes 51 seconds. A mile 23, 8 minutes 31 seconds seconds uh per mile. And man, this is when I'm putting in a big effort. I'm like, "Oh my god, right? About mile 18, that's when about, you know, about mile 18 to 23, that's when that time dilation happens. And that's when I feel like I'm just moving so slow and it's almost kind of like a freaking fighter jet that is in a, a hostile area. I'm taking hit from, you know, from everywhere. I'm driving through some flak, getting some bullets shot through my wings. And it's like, uh-oh, there goes motor number one. Uh, uh-oh, smoke from engine number two. Uh-oh, and now the, now the whole cockpit is starting to, to shudder and rattle. And it's like, oh, dang. We might be going down right now. But let's see. Mile 24, 8 minutes, 38 seconds. Mile 25, I start to freaking pick up the pace. That's when I, I start to really let things rip. Uh, starting at mile 24, 25, 26, my final uh, pace was 7 minutes and 37 seconds. And, you know, that's when like the light is at the end of the tunnel and I was, I felt like I was sprinting full blast. I started to pass up a, a bunch of people and yeah, no, it was a, a great experience to be able to put forth that effort. Now, I already summarized my minute per mile pace and that's cool and everything, right? You know, just kind of being able to measure how fast and far you were going. But, man, what was I feeling? And there was a reoccurring theme. There was a thought in the front of my mind that I wanted to keep in the front of my mind. I wanted it to be the most dominating thought the entire time. And that was one of gratitude. Simply gratitude. I was thankful for my strength, my courage, my resilience, and essentially the effort that I was able to put forth for myself. That allowed me to set myself up with a lot of individuals that I feel are super strong. You know, to set yourself up amongst pacers that plan on finishing a marathon in 3 hours and 15 minutes, between 3 hours and 40 minutes, well, man, I don't care who you are, you are strong in if you're planning on finishing a marathon in that time. And I felt like just a very strong individual that was using his strength in an aspect that can potentially, you know, be inspirational to other people. Because I know how it feels to be a, a scared wallflower. Because I, at one point, I was a scared wallflower. I remember being back in, you know, like one of the seventh grade dances, or even in, in high school, you know, thinking that you were too cool for school to get out on the dance floor and, you know, go out and shake, shake your uh, tail feather, right? But that was simply because I was caring what people were thinking about me. And as time goes on and you start to uh, develop an understanding of how the world works and you start to gain some confidence, then you kind of buck that narrative and you go out and just do whatever you're going to do, whatever makes you happy. And one thing that makes me happy is using my strength to go out and gain more strength And letting that strength compound on top of the strength that I already have. And using that strength to go out and get more strength. And using that strength on top of the strengths that I already have. And next thing you know, I'm freaking running a marathon setting a personal record at the ripe and tender age of 40 years old. Not bad for your old average guy. Now amongst all of these participants, like I said, you know, one thing that I want you to take away from listening to this podcast episode is the wide varying ages, body types, and athletic abilities. You know, there was this one guy, uh, and this was, you know, this was, uh, I don't know, somewhere between like mile 7 and 14. I finally caught up to him, and mind you, For me, mile one through seven, man, I'm running in like a seven-minute, 40-second pace, seven-minute, 30-second pace, which is a great time. You're freaking moving, right? And I'm feeling like a wild stallion, probably even gave off some wild stallion noises, (laughs) right? As as I'm galloping along with the other pack animals that uh, us marathon runners are, feeling like a wild herd of bison on the plains of whatever land Bison's gallop on. And all of a sudden, you know, I see this this older man. He's obviously an, an old man. I, I can tell that um, from, from the back of, of his body, right? Because I slowly start catching up to him. And he's running with like a weird jogging gait too. But he's, he's going fast because I'm going fast. And if I'm going fast, he's going fast. He's going 10 times faster because... I don't, you know, I ended up getting a, uh, um, I ended up getting close to him, and I look over to him as I catch up to him. I'm like, "Hey, you, you brought your run, your, your fast shoes today," and and he smiled at me, and we're, you know, twenty seconds goes by. I'm like, "Hey, buddy, how old are you?" And he said he was sixty-three years old, and that was his eighty-third marathon. I was like, "Holy Toledo!" But Prior to the encounter with him, I saw him, you know, maybe like a hundred feet. And then I slowly started to approach on him. And I made a little mental note for myself. I was like, you know what? I'm going to, if I see an old person in front of me, I'm going I'm, to, my sights are going to be set on them. I'm going to pass up all these old people. No disrespect to any of the old runners out there. But me as a little 40 year old man... I'm like, man, there's no reason why old people should be passing me. And so I saw that guy, and I slowly catch up to him, and I'm picking up my pace, and I'm like, oh, sheesh. <laughs> you know, it took me some effort to, to get up to him, and it took me a long time, so therefore that man was putting in some work. And we had the uh, the interaction, and then I was like, you know, um, so we start to slowly approach a, a aid station, and our conversation ends, and he tapers off to to go and get some hydration from an aid station, and I just continue. I never saw him again after that, but I'm gonna assume that he kicked ass the entire marathon, and he's one of those people that you know I'm, I'm never gonna forget because it's people like that. When you encounter them, you don't believe it until you see it. But that dude was 63 years old, running hard and fast, approaching deep water into the marathon, and he was still kicking ass. So, wherever that guy is, kudos. I hope he lives another 63 years and runs another 83 marathons. And then let's not forget about that woman with no arms that, who I saw on the bus that I was sitting next to, who I ended up seeing her multiple times in that same pace. Whether I had to stop to fill up my water bottle and that one time that I had to stop to take a leak, you know, she would pull ahead and then I would catch back up and then she would get some water or whatever. But I saw her multiple times out there on the course. And like I said, she didn't have any arms and I didn't see any drinking apparatus. There was no camel pack on her. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, how does this woman take on hydration? during this marathon. And, you know, she's not walking. She's running a fast-ass pace. And then, not only that, how, if she needed to relieve herself, you know, using one of those uh porta potties how do you do that? And then, so, I was like, man, you know, some people, they really got it, got it tough out there. But, you know, that was just her... Her way of life, that was her existence. Now, if you were to take off my arms, if I was to lose the, the abilities uh, and use of my arms, man, I would struggle tremendously, you know, until I got used to it. And therefore, you know, when she's embarking out on a marathon or wants to do something hard that is going to test her physical capabilities, that's just another little hurdle for her to get over. But that doesn't stop her from venturing out. I don't know if she just doesn't drink or if she didn't need to use the bathroom or may hey maybe she just simply pisses on herself while she runs. I wouldn't put that uh, behind anybody <laughs> because there's some people out there with full use of their arms and still choose to pee on themselves out there. <laughs> Those are the hardcore people, but uh, that's neither here nor there. But, man, you know what? That is what I... What I am identifying that as is the freaking warrior spirit, man. Even with that 63-year-old man and this woman running with no arms, it's just the warrior spirit. Call it whatever you want to. But we all have the capabilities to put forth a good a good effort in something physical. But a lot of us don't because... We choose to stagnate in the comfort zone. Now, both of those people, that old man, could look at his peers and see that there's other 63-year-old people who can't even walk up a flight of stairs, who can't even bend down to tie their shoes, who can't do all of these things. And I'm sure that he's probably greatly influenced by that, you know, positively and negatively he might be saying to himself, hey, if I let myself go, if I don't do these workouts, if I, you know, start to do what a status quo 63 year old does, then that is gonna start to be the downroll downward spiral of my overall well being. Same deal with the young woman with no arms. If she is amongst people with I don't know, perceived handicaps and they're taking the the easy way out if they're you know allowing other people to do everything for them and and they're not taking agency of their own life then guess what their confidence their competency their independence slowly dwindles away and that muscle of agency and can do that atrophies just like a muscle so The marathon, if you want to see what the human's indomitable spirit looks like, go and look at the people running a marathon and gain inspiration. Not just by the people who are winning and going super fast, but man, seeing the people uh, running a marathon in 4 hours, 5 hours, 6 hours, even if it takes them 7 hours. It's like, man, if they can do it, you can do it. And, you know, one of the high points of this marathon was going back after I crossed the finish line and I recovered for a little bit. uh, Me and my family, we, we walked back to mile 26. And just to see the people who were digging down deep, you know, we only saw them in a little segment. And they were, you know, some people, they were walking cockeyed, they were looking like zombies, stiff legs, but they were smiling and they were still going and we were cheering after them, some people they were crying, some people were so happy, they were celebrating and to see my family and my son and my daughter cheering on the runners, my little daughter she's five years old and she was yelling at them, keep going, keep running, you're almost there keep going. She was yelling that to everybody. And that is one of the many reasons why I love the endurance world. Because even though we are all on our own individual journey of crossing that finish line, it's like we all have that same goal. And it doesn't matter whether you finish first or at you went on your journey, you persevered, whatever your journey entailed, whatever whatever obstacles that were laid upon your path, you overcame them, and you crossed the finish line. And that is, man, epic. It's badass. It's It's fucking awesome. <laughs> and I hope that everyone can go out and experience, you know, whether it is participating in a marathon or just going to a, a local marathon that is in your area and just seeing the people who are participating and then hopefully becoming inspired to do it yourself and because this has been such a positive impact a transformational endeavor in my own life and not only of my my life but it has also positively influenced people around me. You know, that, that's one of the main reasons why I share this narrative, why I share this perspective. Because there is that internal hero that is intrinsically set inside everyone's heart. That fear of stepping out into the unknown territory, but still having the courage... To set forth on that adventure so that you can go out and slay some dragons, level up your freaking life, and then, man, keep it moving. Such a beautiful experience. The highs and the lows that every single individual faces. My highs was starting off super fast, feeling good, and then, you know, there was the slow creep of fatigue coming in from about mile 14 and then mile 18, mile 16 through 18 felt like time had stopped still and I was just putting in so much effort. I was like, man, mile 18, I still have eight more miles to go. That seems daunting. But hey, you know what? It's just repetition one foot in front of the other. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single footstep. The journey to eight miles is the same process. There's an old Chinese proverb also attributed to Seneca that a gem cannot be polished without friction, nor a man without trials. Now, mile 16 through 18, like a lot of people, you know you have the option. Hey, just... Just slow off your pace. Quit. Take it easy. And you know what? There are a lot of people who do quit. They get the dreaded DNF. Did not finish. And you don't want that in your life. You want to set a high goal. And then, man, sustainably get there. But for me, man, miles 16 through 18, I was putting in the work that was a little mental a mental load because, man, you get mentally exhausted by forcing yourself to put such a strenuous and rigorous effort. You know, hey, no wonder why you're mentally and physically drained come mile 16 through 18. But, hey, that's when you're in the deep water. Guess what your old boy, Ruby Rube, did? Kept going. Now, hey, <laughs> and that's nothing special because... All of those marathoners who finished the the cross uh, the finish line, they all were presented with that opportunity to quit, with the opportunity to, to slow down. Nah, but they just kept going, man. And that is poetry in motion. And I I loved it. The spectators, the energy all along the course, twenty six point two miles. The the spectators, man, they were they were raucous. They were hooting, hollering, shaking the cowbells, freaking marching bands out there, cheerleading squads. You name it, everyone was going berserk, bonkers. Ah, oh, man, I, I I, wish you could have been there. <laughs> if you weren't there, you don't know what you're missing out. If you were there, you know what I'm talking about. And to all the people who crossed that finish line, whether it was a, whether it was a PR or not, good job, congratulations a tip of the hat and a wink of the eye to and a sports slap right on the ass from your old boy Ruby Rube over here at the Gathering Strength Podcast and I think that will do it for the California International Marathon 26.2 aka CIM Race Recap I loved it, I enjoyed it, I was inspired The energy is still bouncing around in my heart, in my mind, in my soul, in my being. And I'm going to be using this energy to double down on identifying my strengths, on identifying my weaknesses. And man, you know, this isn't the end. Like, this is just one little finish line. Like, I'm not done. According to psychology and sociology studies, there's something called the hedonic treadmill, hedonic adaptation. And what that means is there is never going to be one thing, one crowning glory of moment or one crowning moment of glory (laughs) that is going to make you happy forever. There's not going to be one championship. There's never going to be a heavyweight championship, or, hell, even a freaking gold medal. You can go out and become an Olympic gold medalist in whatever. Sure, that's going to make you happy for the moment. Hey, be- give it a little bit of time. And, you know, that that uh, that achievement is going to diminish. And you're just going to go back to your baseline level of happiness. And that's why it's important to work on the things that do bring you joy and contentment and happiness and purpose and keep you inspired. Because Father Time beats everybody. It beat Muhammad Ali. It beat freaking Babe Ruth. It beat Michael Phelps. It, it has beat kings, philosopher kings. It has beaten freaking Genghis Khan. It beat freaking uh Napoleon. It, Father Time has beat everybody. And if you only find joy and happiness in setting PRs and being the biggest and the baddest, well, you know, you're going to have to find a way to cope when it is your time to be dethroned, knocked off. And (laughs) when you're not as young and as spry as you are. So those are the things that I'm going to be focusing on as I move forward. Identifying my strengths. Identifying my weaknesses. Praying for the strength to continue a life filled with discipline. And praying for the strength to cast aside and let go all of these weaknesses and all of these self-sabotaging habits that stifle my growth and rob me of my joy. Because ultimately, the only person who I'm competing against every single day, whether I'm running a, a marathon or an Ironman, the only person who I am competing against is myself. I have nothing to prove only to myself and Jeez, you know, I'm just trying to use the best of of my time, of myself, to, you know, man, in, inspire myself. Because there's some times where I will look back or a, a social media memory pops up. And it's like, hey, this time last year, you were running the Big Sur Marathon. And I'm like, oh, dang, awesome. And I'll check out the little video that I made. And I'm like, dude, that's Badass. This time last year, you ran 20 miles for a training run. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Cool. Good job, Rube. Uh, so, inspiration is everywhere. Motivation is everywhere. Energy is everywhere. All the good, all the bad, all the ugly that you have ever experienced in your life, as well as all the good, all the positive, all the beauty that is that has been in your life, you can use it all point it in a certain direction and use that to propel you forward rather than numbing it down, avoiding it, neglecting it, wishing it away. It's not ever going to go away. You need to deal with it. You need to face your fears, confront those doubts and slay those dragons. That'll be it for this podcast episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to my California International Marathon Race Recap. And until next time, it's onward. Always onward.